It's 10 after 10. You're live on the second hour of The Talking Point. And for this hour, we're going to be focusing on something that is really a growing uh, societal issue that has such a big impact, I think, on not just the schooling system, but even the social structure, right, of our communities. Because we cannot afford to have a situation where we have more and more young girls who are falling pregnant um, in this country. And and it's not just about the fact that we've got young girls falling pregnant, but there's also the issue of how they fall pregnant that becomes problematic and that in and of itself needs attention and, and raises concerns that we should collectively be responding to. Uh, so the Department of Social Development is in, in KZN to specifically look at Uh, this issue of teenage pregnancy, that province is one of the provinces with the highest prevalence of teenage pregnancies in the country. Let me welcome onto the show Department of Social Development spokesperson, Lumka Oliphant. Lumka, good morning to you. Thanks for your time this morning. Thank you so much, Katie, for having us. Good morning to you and to your listeners. Let me also welcome onto the show the CEO of the Seoul City Institute, Fina Kodisang. Fina, good morning to you and thanks for your time today. Good morning, Kathy and Lumka and everyone else who's listening. Thank you. Look, I think a good place for us to start would be just fully assessing where we are as a country when it comes to the prevalence of teenage pregnancies. We've seen different data sets coming out. Some of it is driven by the provinces. But I think it will be good for Lumka, you as the Social Development Department, and Fina, you as the CEO of, of, of the Seoul City Institute, just to let us into some of the data that you are working from that informs your opinions about the state of, of teenage pregnancies. Lumka, let me begin with you because, the, of course, the figures that you have would be coming more from a national perspective and that will be able to give us a, a, a bigger picture of, of what we may be dealing with. Uh, yes, Kathy, you are right. And I also uh, um, I like how you started the conversation about talking about this matter, not just being a, 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 a government matter, but a societal matter that we all need to stand up and, and look at. Yes, we are getting our statistics um, from a national uh, picture, but also with this program that we have started uh, in Lusikisiki and now in KZN today, we are also getting information from a national uh, perspective. We look into the provincial uh, issues, numbers, and also go into districts so that we can be able to see which are the districts that we need to pay attention to. What are the issues that are coming out from those districts that uh, have a high prevalence of, of teenage pregnancy so that we can have a coordinated way of dealing with the matter and be able to see what services, what are we doing right as government, what are we doing wrong as government, where do we need assistance so that we can be able to prevent and strengthen as well all child protection services because remember teenage pregnancy is an indication of a south africa that does not protect its children and that does not put the agenda of children uh, as, as 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 an important matter a societal matter when we see children that don't have parents what are the, our responsibilities when we see a girl what that is pregnant what our 
our respons- what are our responsibilities, not just as a government, but as a neighbor, as a teacher, as a nurse, as organizations around, so that we can be able to deal with making sure that we empower the girl child and also support the family that has a child who is pregnant, uh, Kathy. So this is what we are doing right now as a Department of Social Development, not only looking at it nationally, but going into districts. Today we are in Zululand because we have seen that that district in KZM also needs our attention. The last time we were in Lusikisiki and in the district municipality where we were being, where we have seen that there is a problem there and we need to make sure that we deal with these things from a district level as well. Mm. Do you have the, those national numbers, Lumka, in terms of the, the rate of, of teenage pregnancies or are you working based on what you have in, in the districts that, that, that you've been mentioning uh, and maybe are you able to give us a picture again of, of the kind of data that's coming out of those spaces? Yes, um, I wouldn't have the data because the data I don't want to just give you the, the wrong information but we are looking at, at, at national, at province, and also at district, um, and we are looking at them according to ages, and we get this information from Statistics South Africa, from uh, the Department of Health, and also the information that comes from the Department of Social Development and Basic Education, so that we can be able to see where are these, where where do we need to uh, to give our attention, which particular districts that we need to uh, give attention. But we also look at it at a national level, as we have uh, indicated that Guazulu Natal, Gauteng, Limpopo, and the Eastern Cape are coming out as provinces that we really need to pay attention to when it comes to the issues of teenage pregnancy. Mm. Fina, let me come to you and again stay with the issue of, of, of numbers. Uh, as the Soul City Institute, do you have figures, specific figures that you work off? Yes, so we, we like Lumka said, we get our numbers also from what is presented by the Department of Health Department of Education, we also look at what Fed SA uh, reports, uh, you know, every year in terms of, of the numbers. And I think the recent numbers that we saw, Kathy, were the numbers that had all of us in an uproar um, late last year, where they were recording, you know, 947 um, bets that were given uh, by 10 to 14-year-olds in housing alone. And when we looked at the national numbers, that uh, were projected, we saw, you know, up to 23,226 pregnancies uh, that were recorded in that age group of 10 to 19, you know. Um, and so the national uh, picture is different depending on which department is reporting because they use different data sources. Mm. And maybe there's an issue that we also need to address in terms of how do we then consolidate mm. these numbers and, and have a clear picture. But nonetheless, the picture is still a gloomy one in terms of any number, you know, should give us a headache as, 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 as a nation, especially when we talk about nine-year-olds giving birth, 10-year-olds giving birth, because those are children. So it doesn't matter what the number is, any number that is recorded should give us sleepless nights. You know, I, I think, uh, Fina, I'm, I'm going to agree with you on the issue that um, not having a, a, what is perhaps a centralized system 
of collating this data perhaps also doesn't give us a, a clear picture of how big the problem is nationally. So you look at the, the figures that, let's say, come out of Gauteng. Those are incredibly worrying. I don't know what the figures in KwaZulu-Natal and in the Eastern Cape and Limpopo are, but as provinces that you are watching, uh, Lumka, I imagine that those are also concerning. And so because of this disaggregated view, the problem that we're looking at nationally uh, could well be a lot bigger than than what it is th- that we're looking at when we when we just zone in on on the provinces. Uh, I, I don't know what you make of that, and if there are plans at all, Lumka, to to have perhaps a more a centralized database of of what these numbers would be, um, so, so that it, it, there's just a clear picture of what's happening in the country collectively. Because I think the most important thing is is the reporting of of any child abuse case, and in this in this in this matter, we we are talking about uh, teenage pregnancy. But we are obligated as a country to make sure that any other case that has to do with a, 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 a child that is neglected, a child that is abused, a child who is reported pregnant. We, we are obligated as, as a country to report that. Mm. And therefore, the reporting needs to be strengthened and the reporting needs to be centralized, as you are saying. And, the report, and people have to have access to the reporting and understand what we are saying when we say report. And I'll give you an example, a very simple example, uh, when we were in city, We were talking about the importance of reporting especially in, in, in teenage pregnancy. One of the attendants uh, who is a community member stood up and said to us, when you talk about reporting, what are you talking about? Because when a child or a, a girl is pregnant in our community, we go and report to the other family. So these are the ways of the people, and it means that we need to also empower and and make people understand what is this reporting that we are talking about. And every government department needs to do this reporting. Every South African needs to do this reporting, whether you are in an NGO, whether Mm -hmm. you are in education, whether you are in the Department of Health. Of course, the Department of Basic Education has now made it an obligation for educators who see girls who are pregnant within the schooling system. And that is a very good step in the right direction. And this is what is really missing in terms of getting this data and where to report and who to report so that it's not just a matter of saying to the police, to social development, it must be clear where people must be able to report. And, 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 and as a crime, then it is reported to social development and, and, and at, at, at APS. Of course, at pregnancy is, is, is confirmed at the Department of Health. Therefore, this, uh, this coordinated working of government is very important, as you are alluding to uh, case. Fina, when it comes to the reporting, because of this heavy reliance on um, the the data that then the education department is going to be driving, um, does it really accommodate everybody? Because I'm thinking of the fact that right now we're coming out of this pandemic. We have uh, young people that have not continued, that have dropped out of the education system. And so how would we be able to account for what is happening outside of the education system? 
You are right, Kathy. Even the ones that present to facilities is not every pregnant teenager or every pregnant woman who will present uh, at the clinic. So we we do have missing data. You know, we 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 have those who are missing in the system, and and that is why it's important that we educate around reporting, but also reporting from a perspective of addressing injustice and addressing violation. Because the reporting, and as Lumka was talking, I, I was reflecting on why this is still problematic, that the way we families treat um, pregnancies um, and, and children pregnancies and, and teenage pregnancies is that it's, it's handled as a family matter. So a 10-year-old, a 15-year-old is pregnant. We go to uh, where she says the guy who impregnate, uh, impregnated her is, and they go and report, and sometimes it ends there. But by law, if the person who impregnated this person is older, you know, is 16 years older, and the, the, the child or the girl is, is 12 years, 13 years, 14 years older, or below 16, that is a crime that must be reported. You see, so we report one aspect, we don't report the other aspect of it. And that is why then we find that we are not able to address this issue in terms of the provisions that are there in law, in terms of the duty to report. Again, when they go to facilities, Mm. we find that some facilities don't also do their duty in terms of recording these pregnancies at statutory rate and therefore reporting, you know, um, through the legal processes, uh, social development, and then the police, so that we can now track, um, you know, the perpetrators. So we find that there are gaps that are created in the system, and the problem then keeps growing instead of us making it and addressing it um, to make sure that we don't continuously find ourselves having these huge numbers uh, of, of, of girls who are falling pregnant. One of the, the biggest um, burdens, uh, I think, just not just on, on, on government, but as a society, is in us trying to understand what is driving the rate of teenage pregnancies that we are seeing and, and and you know on the one hand i'm thinking about what the the contribution then of the challenges around data collection in and of itself to be able to answer that question but off of existing data that we do have what do we understand to be the causal factors what is driving uh, teenage pregnancies in our communities. Fina, l- let me start with you. So we, and, and, and I'm glad that we, we are reflecting in this way um, about this matter because numbers tell a story. Even though we are querying, you know, the accuracy of the numbers, the numbers that are there already tells us a story. One, we know that in our country, um, sexual violence, rape, you know, uh, gender-based violence is declared a pandemic. So we, we live in a context where pregnancies could be as a result of, of rape. And when you look at the numbers that SSA gives us, they, they show us that of the rape cases that are reported, most of them are below the age of 16. So that tells you that the majority of the cases that are reported are rape cases. And if you look at the teenage pregnancy numbers and the statutory rape cases, then there's a correlation in terms of the number of rape cases and the number of pregnancies. 
So that's something that we, we need to look at. We saw that uh, in the period uh, July to September uh, last year, as reported by the Minister of, of Police, you know, the numbers uh, ro- rose, right? We had a 4%, 4.7 increase in, in sexual violence. And that was in the period where we were on, on lockdown. And when they sampled uh, 3,951 of these cases of rape, we found that it's rape that is happening in the home, so domestic rape. You again look at the period uh, where these numbers that shocked us last year came out. It was during the period where we were on lockdown. So again confirming that rape cases, even these teenage pregnancies that we call teenage pregnancies, happened as a result of being in the home with perpetrators. So the picture, as we look at it, confirms to us that as much as there are uh, pregnancies that happen as a result of, I will call it irresponsible sexual behavior, majority of the cases also happen as a result of uh, coercion uh, and, and sexual violence. Lumka, from the perspective of social development and the work that you have been doing, what have you found to be the causal factors uh, for teenage pregnancies? I think uh, Usina has has, has, uh, given us the picture of what is really happening uh, to our children. It shows us also that when children were not in school due to to the lockdown, they were much more vulnerable. And we need to say that education, basic education as a child protection tool is working in the country and we need to make sure that we keep our children in schools because our children are not safe when they are in the home with their families. And uh, Katie, when we were in Lusikisiki, we then uh, posed the question that who is impregnating our little girls? Uh, one of the NGOs uh, ladies who, who works in the area was very clear that it is sexual violence, it is older men that are impregnating our children. You cannot uh, blame poverty and unemployment uh, to children, to, to older men who who, uh, who go out and, and have sex with uh, a 10-year-old. Uh, we also went to a to a home uh, closer uh, to Ligisiki in a village called Embut, and we had a, a, a 15-year-old who was also pregnant, and it was the neighbor. You know, the neighbor who was 25 years old. So our children, even in the rural setting, are not um, are not protected. Our children are vulnerable. It is in the home where most of the time these things are happening to children. And what came out last year is an indication and that we need to make sure all the time that our children remain at school because basic education as a child protection tool clearly is working in this country. For 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 the families that you had visited, Lumka, what were they saying to you about these pregnancies? You know, um, Kathy, it it was really painful to uh, to watch a a mother and a father trying to make sense of of what has happened. I'll give you the example as well of this fifteen-year-old uh, uh, who was impregnated by the neighbor. The first thing that the parents, uh, very hurting as well, because, you know, when you are a neighbor, you're also regarded as a family as a family member. So um, the, the father clearly was, was, was really grieving 
and 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 he wanted, like I said to you, that to go to the other family just to try and find out, and um, what why is it that uh, this guy has done this to to his child? Only when the social worker came in did they realize that this was a crime, and and not only realizing it is a lack of of understanding of law and also uh, uh, trying to harmonize the ways of the people, the issue of language, and also continuing to empower people about the rights of their children. Mm. Uh, and after then... Lumka, uh, Lumka I'm, I'm going to pause you there. Uh, you, you're talking about such an important issue uh, around the families and interpretations of what they see happening and how they respond to it. We're going to continue the conversation uh, on teenage pregnancies. It's now 10.30. The Talking Point with Kathy Motlatana, weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We continue the conversation on The Talking Point and we're focusing on teenage pregnancies for this hour. How can we begin to better understand what is driving, causing teenage pregnancies in our communities? Lumka Oliphant is the spokesperson for the Department of Social Development. Fina Godisang is the CEO of the Seoul City Institute. I'll be taking your calls a little later on 011-714-2006 on the WhatsApp line zero six one four one zero four one zero seven. So Lumka, you were still telling us about the understanding and, and the interpretation of families that are having to, you know, look after children who have now become pregnant. Yes, uh Kathy, um we when we were talking to people you you know you you find that there's a, a misunderstanding on their obligations. And of course, some of the ways uh, of of how they live amongst themselves. You know, I, I I gave an example of the issue of reporting and what it means uh, to report for a family in that particular setup. Mm-hmm. You know, and we had to then come out and and see the uh, how do we then harmonize and um, you know cultural beliefs and and making people understand. In, the, in their languages, uh, what we mean about certain things. This is where then the Department of Social Development becomes very crucial when we do the community facilitation. Because it is one thing, Katie, to, to have a conversation with you now in English and uh, and, and the person who is in KZN in Ulundi and the Zululand district or in the Brazil municipality does not truly understand what we are talking about. So these are the things that uh, we come up, uh, we come across. These are the things that we then need to make sure that when we talk to people, we also empower them and speak them into them in the languages that they understand, so that they can be able to interpret uh, things better. Where you then find that traditional houses and traditional uh, and, and chiefs, and you know, are very important uh, uh, when we, when we go to these areas, because also they need to be empowered because sometimes you find that people would go to the chief to go and report family matters mm. and the chief must be able to know and empowered what then to do when a, a girl is impregnated and the girl who is 15 years old, what advice do they give? What obligation do they give? So this is why then we have to go 
uh, and do this community facilitation so that we understand that what we are giving people is, is, is received and interpreted well so that we can be able to deal with so many of the things that we are dealing with at the moment, especially when it comes to the protection of children, generally in cases, not just on uh, on teenage pregnancy. A chief must be able to know when parents have died of a, a, a child, where do they go, what do they do, what are the obligations of families, what can be done, where do we find social workers, so that we can be able to give the services two children um, as and when they need it and very immediate. Mm. Fina, I, I want to come to you. It's not unheard of in communities. And I'm thinking about this example of uh, the one that Lunka has given of a 10-year-old that has been impregnated by a 25-year-old, which is a very clear case of a statutory rape, right? And yet the interpretation of that in communities and even in families sometimes could be that this girl was involved in a relationship with this man. What was she doing there in the first place? You know, that she's forward, that she likes things. These are often the descriptions that we hear using um, that are used to describe young girls who have fallen pregnant. True. And the burden is always put on, on the young women. You know, like you say, we, we name uh, them as forward. We call them different names. We even look at what they were wearing. You know, their dress code becomes a discussion point instead of us looking at the real issue, which is the violation that has happened. And the education in the communities is something that we need to strengthen because their understanding of what statutory rape is and the obligation then that we all have in terms of reporting, because we have an obligation to report, you know, in terms of child violation. And and people don't know that they have that obligation. And the fact that they could actually be um, accessories, you know, um, um, to, to the issue if they are not reporting and they knew about it. So in the family, this kind of behavior is promoted in that the girl child is problematized. And they don't then follow up the issue because we then, you know, address her as this problematic child mm. who is too forward. And young people are growing. As they grow, their body develops. They develop curiosity. They ask questions. They start behaving in certain ways. We need to, at that age, start having discussions with them that are not, you know, um, threatening, that are non-threatening but that are teaching responsible sexual behavior in, in accordance with the age of the child. But that is a, a gap that we see in the home because parents are not taught how to communicate with their children. Boy, girl, uh, boys and girls alike, you know, we don't know how to communicate what this development is uh, that young boys and girls are experiencing when their bodies are developing. We leave it to the teachers at school to do the talk, and, you know, when, when they get home, whatever that they were taught at school, sometimes it's even different, different to the belief system in the home. Mm-hmm. So they hear contradicting messages around their development. They are, their uh, menstruation is problematized as if you applied to have this thing uh, happen. And even when it happens to you naturally, we make it a problem. You hear talks of, you know, now that you are menstruating, if you play with boys, you're going to be in trouble. 
but they don't even explain what playing with boys means, what trouble is that will, will befall them when they play with boys. So the languaging around the education that we, you know, we give to our children is also problematic and causes problems. Mm. I'm I'm thinking about the, the numbers that you gave earlier, Fina, uh, especially where, where it involves teenage pregnancies as a result of sexual uh, abuse or violence that has taken place in the home. And uh, I, I want to know from you, are these issues that families are confronting? Because if, if on the one hand, there's already a struggle just to help understand the issue of, of teenage pregnancy where, uh, you know, a, a child perhaps have, has fallen uh, pregnant by somebody on the outside. I can't imagine how much more complex it becomes when it is a, a member of the family of, or somebody that is within the home. Are we seeing families be brave enough to confront that? Because these statistics mean something. So, so for the families who have had children impregnated either by uncles, by brothers, by stepbrothers, by stepfathers. Are these conversations happening in families? If they are, Kathy, they are not happening at the rate that will change the situation. Mm. And that is why we need to go into communities to educate families. Most of the programs have concentrated on empowering, you know, the child on giving the child information. The curriculum at school is focused on the child, but we need to be comprehensive and, and, you know, the ecological model should be applied where we know that at the center of the education is the child, but the child comes from a family. So we can't leave the family out when we do education programs. We must have packages where we educate families, one, to communicate with their children, two, to be responsible enough to report and, you know, issues, as, as we were talking about, statutory rape, to report such. And three, to be accountable um, even to the child, because it's their obligation by law, it's an obligation to report any violation that happens uh, to children. And so the gap there is that culture then takes precedence. Lunga gave an example of how then it's the chiefs, you know, who rule on these matters. And they rule from a perspective of, are protecting, you know, the, the norms that are in the communities, the patriarchal norms that say it's a family matter. They charge you the damage, mm. you pay damages, it ends there. And therefore, this perpetuates this uh, violation that we see because we are not addressing the issues, you know, the way they should be addressed. Each community treats rape um, differently. Uh, depending on what their cultural practices are. So we need then to apply the law that we are all under. You know, we are not, um, rule of law says all of us um, are subjected to the law. So we must then apply what makes um, all of us account in the same way. Otherwise, then we create a problem if the matter is handled by each family the way they see fit. You know, it, 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 and that is why we see young people who grow up very depressed, um, suicidal even, because they still face the person who violated them. They still see them, their lives are, go, are, are going on as mm. normal. And this girl is going through the trauma of what has happened. And the family is not providing that safety net 
for this uh, girl. Let me go to the phone lines uh, for those of you that want to engage on our uh, topic this morning. This is looking at teenage pregnancies. Now, Robert, you're calling us from Limpopo. Good morning. Hi, madam. How are you? I'm well, thank you, Robert. Very fine. Uh, madam, I'm one of the fathers who do have to verify such kind of a problem. But, uh, however, according to what I picked up, uh, the issues around... Uh, what can I say? The issue that made me, I might uh, elevate the situation, it might be labor migration, whereby parents have to leave women good for jobs, looking for jobs. Mm. Secondly, it might be drug abuse. It, it might secondly, be what? Secondly, it might be what, Robert? The drug abuse. Drug abuse, okay. Thirdly, mm-hmm. it might be parental discussion, whereby the parent has to discuss with their daughter. Thirdly, it might be um, cultural practices, madam. Mm. Whereby, for argument, you find that an uncle is facing the very um, offense with a teenager, but uh, the family thereof protects the uncle thereof. Mm. Then that I, I hope, I hope and see at least what some of the things that escalate the situation. Madam. I don't know. I'll so, Robert, that. Robert, do you have a personal experience with this? Yes, I do have one uh, in my in my house. Mm. What but, happened? Uh, my, yeah, but Madam, it's my brother-in-law, it's my sister-in-law's daughter, you know. She's pregnant and she's still at my place. For that reason, so, Robert, I'm going to ask you just to try and speak a bit louder because I'm struggling to pick up what you're saying. Um, so, so you were telling us what what happened in your home? Uh, what happened is that the daughter, uh, the little lady, was staying with her grandmother. Mm. And the parents were out due to labor migration. Um, she was free from everything that she was doing, you know. And uh, it happened that she went pregnant, but she doesn't even know who is the father of the child. And I look at her age, she's young at the age of 14. Mm. You see, and um, I have to go down there to look for for a space at school for, for she must move from school A to school B, whereby I have to explain also what happened. But uh, the thing around, we parents we play we play a major role in this. We are the one who fuel this because we don't keep consistency on our parents on on our children. And and when you tried to speak to her as as a family, what did she have to say to you? You know, she's young enough to can even respond to some of the questions. She's just smiling like a kid, as she's a kid, you know. Mm. She's just she's like nothing, like nothing happened. Like nothing happened. You see, look, today you're a mother, you're a young mother. Look, uh, you still have to go to school. The very father of this child, he ran away. You don't even know who's the very father of this child. And for now, it's a burden to the mother that we're supposed to, to, to look after the baby. And now she's waiting. And which means there must be someone to be paid to look after the baby. Mm-hmm. We, the parents of these children, we are the ones who are pumping this up. We are the ones who are escalating this. We are the ones who are elevating this because we don't have time to sit down and talk to our children. For argument, just ask one parent who will just have just a, a minute to look on, 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 on his child's school bag. Inside the school bag. There are guns, there are drugs, there's everything inside there. Mm-hmm. But we don't mind. We don't have time to visit those schools, right? But uh-huh. today, when things come back to us, we keep on complaining. We put the government with the thing, oh, they, do, they are doing nothing about this. 
Robert, let me, let me thank you so much for, for calling in and, and for sharing your experience as well. And I think you've raised some very, very important issue there about the role of parents as not just parents and guardians, but as intervening uh, parties where you do, you are noticing perhaps changes of behaviours in your teenagers. Stephen, you're calling us from Tladi. Good morning. Welcome, Tom Kiffy. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Kathy, mm. and your guest there. You know, raising a, a girl child or raising a child, it's like actually taking a bull by the horn mm. on daily basis. I have three daughters. One was born in the 25th of March, 1983. The other one, 1998, you know, 5th of September. And the other one on the 14th of May, 2001. But all these girls, I managed to raise them the way I was actually raised because my grandmother, when she was raising me up and my cousin, you know, boy or maid, cousin, male cousin, right? There was this law that you couldn't actually break it. So fast forward to my two last daughters. This one, I actually raised her when she was actually three months old because her mother started to work at that time and she would actually drop her off at my granny's uh, house. Right. Fast forward, these two girls, then we moved to into property in 2005, you know, right? They were still very young. They started school in Clyde at Merase Primary. And then these girls, right, when this other one was, the first one was doing her grade, who was to do her grade seven, school living, right? She said there's a teacher there who's very strict and they would like to change the car. And some other parents as well actually said, no, that teacher, we don't want our children, our children to be taught by her. And I said to the mother of my children, I said to her, no, that's where she must be. And that happened, right? And now, fast forward, this guy, okay, okay, actually now, she felt pregnant because of whatever actually happened. But that, that, that was actually after she had completed her grade 12, because that was my target, that they must actually reach grade 12, right? So this last one, it was so tough, case because I was being seen as somebody, this father, who's too strict. Mm. Because my, I didn't want my children out of the house at 8 o'clock, right? They can be out with their friends, maybe around the corner there, but really, 8 o'clock, they must be in the house, and then from there, they must actually be bookworms, right? Because I, as their father, I couldn't actually, you know, go beyond, I, I went beyond, you know, primary, but my parents didn't have money. Mm. So I thought, you know, and I actually ensured that they get that best thing. The last one is when they were doing the, uh, the cruiser, as they were now starting to be around 13 years, they would always make a cruiser list. And in that cruiser list, as girls, I told them about, I told them about, you know, the cleanliness of a lady is to have a handbag. And in that handbag, there has to be one, two, three things for you, lady. Mm. And we'd go through that. So once they've completed that list, and the main thing, I mean, in terms of, you know, that toilet list, is not in there. So look at one another and say, no, this list is complete.
in computer. Then I asked them, what is it that is not there? And they said, Dad, it's our pet. We are sorry about it. Because that is always running in the head, right? And right now, we did have a very good relationship because that's saying to me, we thought, you are so harsh and us. You are so strict in us. And we are actually grateful for you. This other one will be completing her degree, uh, you know, her Hello, Stephen. Yeah, and unfortunately, Casey, I called, uh, you know, against all odds because the heat was hitting the fan in the family. But I managed to, you know, soldier on to ensure that she actually gets a great well. You know, Casey, when she was actually waiting for her results, she asked me because I'm a taxi driver, I think, as you know, and she said, Dad, please, you know, dedicate some few hours later on so that we can go and look for the results. And we had to, case the papers that we were getting were actually in Sekosa and Africa, and neither of us actually knows the language. But fortunately, one of her colleagues actually gave a call and said, look, we have married, you got a bachelor. Mm. And, so and could... yeah, Stephen, so, sorry, I'm going to have to cut you a bit short there Thank because you. I still have Thank a few you. other callers. But, but I just wanted to find out from you, when, when you asked your, your daughter about the pregnancy, what did she say? About the pregnancy? Yes. No, no. Uh, you know, I couldn't, I, I had to accept it. You know, like I said, really, the heat has to start to hit the fan later on. It's something that I cannot say now, right, on air, right? But, you know, that pregnancy, it wasn't something that she was not actually, uh, uh, you know, expecting it. Because remember, I used to talk with my children about, you know, prevention, right? Literally, so we'll talk about, you know, what the, the, the forms of prevention. I mean, your pills, I mean, mm. your injections, and et cetera. Very out with them, I mean, about even condoms, right? I used to go and talk to them about them, right? All right. Okay, yeah. Stephen, we're gonna we're gonna have to leave it there. Thanks for calling in, Stephen. Out in Tladi, we're going to take a quick break, and then I'll see if we can maybe uh, squeeze in uh, another caller or two. Across South Africa, online and on radio. SAFM, let's talk. We continue the conversation on the talking point. We're focusing on teenage pregnancies and I think really understanding some of the frustrations that parents uh, are dealing with as well and, and just the challenging environment it is raising teenagers. Uh, TJ Mbata, good morning. You're calling us from KZN. If you can keep it brief for me, please, TJ. Yes, so we'll try to do so, although maybe more like coming up with an in-depth. Because uh, we are living in an era whereby a child is no longer raised, but it, the child is uh, maintained, as it uh, actually is happening right now. Mm. Uh, I don't know whether maybe, if, am I audible enough? Yes, go for it, TJ. Yes, yes, yes. I'm very much worried about the approach to which we actually like try to take in the South African uh, crisis. You see, uh, when Samson was born, I mean, uh, Manoah uh, actually like asked from God that uh, how we should actually like raise uh, Samson. Then therefore, we are living in an era whereby we don't have parents, but we have got uh, figurative parents. Parents have already died, not literally, but they are still there. And this is actually like happening even with other like ESCOM, because this is also related. There are no managers, there are no directors, because whatever that they are going to propose, it is going to be against, by, I mean, to be against by the trade unions. And we've got South Africa, which is not actually like governed uh, by the people. We don't have a governor who can actually like do whatever. Why? Because there are limits. 
You see, the approach it does not really like indicate that we have done the South African research seeking to get the South African solution. You know why? Because we've seen actually like uh, introducing sex education. Who is going to teach that sex education? If there is only an element, even a single element, who had happened to rape that young child? You see, the 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 the, 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 the way how we define uh, the child. It's not actually like different because the teacher is actually like seeing as a, a girlfriend. You yourself you are seeing, so that it, it, it actually like makes them not to. Be. And we are discussing pregnancy as if it is a one sort of thing. It is not a one sort of thing. You see, as long as we are not actually like having a parent who are going to have effective and efficient parenting, we are going to actually like discuss about this continually. And even the approach, because I've seen that even the doctors they happen to have the knowledge of which it is much actually like baking them to have acquired from overseas or from elsewhere. And then, then, then therefore, we're not actually coming up with the ideal South African solution. That's the reason why, just unfortunately, we are discussing it at a different platform. But if ever, maybe, we were having, we will have seen that the nation has lost here because most of the things which are happening, we have planted directly or indirectly. And the, uh, we see South African is a holistic approach. We, if you actually like, take, try to take a one, you won't, because we don't have even a teacher. You don't have even a student. The student is there to do whatever, whatever. And this thing is not actually You see, I've seen that uh, all of the crises in South Africa, they are inclusive in nature. Failure is inclusive in nature because they are even uh, students who have been condoned. I mean, they're given, and then they're being, and that's like accumulate. It's a failure, the pregnancy, the, the, the crime, everything is accumulated. So right. we must early identify it then therefore. Mm-hmm. And then therefore, the last two points, the last two points only. And then this is essentially concerning that let's have maybe community courts, which is going to be monitored, whereby these children, because we've seen that these parents have got no capacity to actualize the children. And then therefore, those courts is going to address this in a proper way. May God bless you. All right. Thanks, 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 TJ. Uh, listening you there. Thank you for your voice. All right. For your voice. Okay. Sure. Uh, let me quickly go to uh, Lumka then and, and just to alert our guests, you know, we're quickly running out of time. Uh, so Lumka, just after listening to those reflections, uh, your views as the Social Development Department, very briefly, please. Yes, I couldn't hear the first, maybe all of them, because I kept on missing them. But what is coming out as well from the callers is, is the issue of, of families and the strengthening of, of parental programs and families as well, that our families also need a lot of attention and we can't leave them behind as we are trying to find solutions. Yes, this is what we are doing now. We are also talking to parents. Uh, uh, today we, we are talking ourselves as government. Tomorrow we're talking to parents and children. Children become very important in this matter because we need to also understand what is happening um, you know, around their lives. Where is it that we need to make sure that we assist them? When we did a, 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 a research some time ago, you know, some of the things as well that um, children were talking about was that, it, um, you know, um, not access to 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 contraceptions, you know, attitudes of nurses when they go there. They're talking about parents themselves who also don't want to listen to them and and not understanding that they also need to have a voice. So there's a variety of things that we need to be looking at and making sure that as we're trying to find solutions, 
you don't leave the family and the parents uh, behind because most parents, you know, we just become parents, Kathy, to be, uh, to be honest. Nobody teaches us how to be parents. We use uh, what we know from our parents and we take it forward. And also not understanding that also times are changing and we are parenting differently now, Kathy. Uh, you know, um, uh, and, and children want also to be part of all decisions that we are making, uh, you know, uh, and they also understand that they need to be disciplined, kids. Mm. You right. know, uh, in, 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 in all of our children's parliaments, children are telling us of the need to be disciplined, but they also just want to be disciplined with dignity and also be part of decision-making and also be part of of a, and have a voice in the home. So these are things that we need to make sure that we uh, we continue speaking about and empower families and parents. All right. Uh, Lumka Oliphant, thanks for that. Uh, Fina, I'm going to give you a chance perhaps to weigh in on this after the latest 11 o'clock news.